come on, church, one more time. Can you make some noise for Jesus this morning? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Can you make some noise for Jesus? God, we love you. God, we lift you up. We honor you. And we're so thankful that we get to gather around your word. Listen, we believe in the Bible here at the Becoming Church. You're going to find that out very quickly. And we believe that it is absolutely the inspired word of God. And so I'm thankful and grateful for these opportunities that we get to gather uh, around his word and just see what the Lord has to say to us this morning. So are y'all ready for that today? Yes. Awesome. And listen, uh, I know travel and, and different moments take place. So if you're out from week to week, uh, please go subscribe uh, to our channel on YouTube so that you can stay connected and in sync with what's happening uh, in here from week to week. It's simply the Becoming Church. And listen, I'm not trying to get a subscriber. So I'm just trying to keep you connected. All right. <laughs> that was a joke. You could have laughed there. <laughs> Like you did there, instead of just leaving me hanging, but it's all good. It is all good. <laughs> hey, well, today we're kicking off a new collection called uh, In This House. So we like to speak through what we call collections here at the Becoming Church. Not just a bunch of standalone messages, but we kind of like to teach in a collection or a series format. And so this Sunday, uh, we're kicking off a new collection, what we're calling In the House, In This House. And the idea behind uh, this collection is maybe you remember growing up, you may have heard it said in the house, like, in this house, this is how we behave. Or in this house, this is how we speak to each other. That's a, that's a good positive spin on it. Or you may have heard it. In this house, we don't talk like that. And you say it again, I'm a, some of you familiar with that tone. <laughs> but the idea is we're sharing what it means to belong to this house. Like we all have our family of origin, um, but if you've connected with the Becoming Church in any kind of way, you don't just have your family of origin now, but you also have your spiritual family. And listen, we want this to be a place, this is our heart, for this to be a place that you feel like you belong to, a place that you feel like you can connect with, a place where you feel like you can become, a place where... If you can't figure something out, like, yo, we can pull up a chair to the table and have a discussion and figure this thing out because this is family. And so over the next three weeks, beginning today, we're going to be diving into just what it means to belong to this house. And this morning, we're going to kick it off with a conversation called We Believe in Church. Come on. Can you all say that with me? We Believe in church, and if you're taking notes, you can write that down. And we're going to use Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 18, to lead us off in this conversation. So you can flip with me there, scroll with me there, or join me here on the screen. Matthew 16, verse 18, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. God, thank you for these moments that we share. God, thank you for this moment, this time to gather around your word. God, we need your word. God, we believe in your word. We trust your word, Father. And so, Lord, our prayer is this. Over these next few moments, God, God, uh, enlighten us, God. Open us up to what it is, God, that you're saying to us. God, allow us to see what it is that you're showing. 
And so here's what we're saying. We're saying this. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Family, if I'm being honest with you, well, not that I haven't been honest before, but if I'm being honest with you, I feel tricked. I feel like I've been tricked. No one told me that kids don't eat food. I don't know what they eat, but at least our kids, they don't seem like they eat food. We put a plate in front of them, and they, they don't eat it. And maybe you're like, you're not offering the right things, but what kid doesn't like Chick-fil-A? You know what I mean? What, what kid doesn't want pizza? You know how our kids eat pizza, or at least one of them? They take the pepperonis off of the pizza, and then they want us to cut the crust, and that's pizza. Now, I'm hungry, so I'm looking at that as wasted. Because I don't just want whatever that is now that you've taken the pepperonis off and got rid of the crust. But they just, they don't like to eat. So I don't know how they're surviving, at least the boys. It's always not necessarily at that stage yet. For the most part, she eats, especially queso. Oh, my gosh. Which, I mean, we're all with her on that. She drinks it. Like we had Taco Mom the other day. She literally was turning the queso up. It's like a whole new meaning to turn up. But anyway, um, it's a challenge. And so what Katie and I decided that we're going to at least try to put something on their plate that, they're like, that they like. So even if they don't eat, you know, the strawberries, the uh, broccoli or whatever the protein is, at least they will we'll tell them to take at least one bite. I mean, we've tried all the tricks. Like, hey, you got to eat as many bites as old you are. And then by the time Isaiah got to seven, he's like, yo, that's a lot. I was cool at two, but, you know, you're trying to give me the seven. Nah, I ain't with that. So we try to make sure we put something on their plate to at least eat. And one thing all three of them will eat is popcorn. Like, I don't, I mean, nothing bad with popcorn. I, I like popcorn. But, I mean, they love popcorn. So much so, like, they'll even eat it for breakfast. So now, yeah, so now with school kicking back in, it's like whatever, like pop a bag of popcorn, get it going, you know. And sometimes like during the summer uh, when they were home uh, from summer camp, it was like they come, come to me, it's like, yo, I need another bag. I'm like, I just popped you a bag. So they love popcorn. And the only complaint they have about popcorn are the two minutes that it takes for it to pop. Other than that, they love it. I mean, you should see them just complaining, looking at the microwave for two minutes, just standing there watching for the, and waiting for the popcorn to finish so that they can consume it. Some of you are like, where are you going with this? Here's where I'm going. <laughs> if we're not careful, family, we will treat church just like the kids treat that bag of popcorn. That it can become something that we watch instead of something that we participate in. That it can be something that we're simply just waiting to consume instead of something that we're ready to contribute to. But listen, I believe there's a different approach we can take. I believe there's a better approach for us to take. You know, I like to go to the gym in the morning because that's the only time I can do it because at the end of the day, I'm done. And so uh, I go early in the morning. And when I get back now to get them, help get them ready for school, sometimes... Um, to the joy of Katie, I just throw my gym bag uh, anywhere on the floor as soon as I get in. And Zoe, of course, she loves to just mess with any bag I have, gym bag, book bag, whatever. And sometimes she'll empty the contents of the bag on the floor and just get everything turned around. But perhaps, like, 
Maybe that gym bag is telling us something. Maybe that gym bag is speaking to us. You're like, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm saying. Maybe our, our approach to church doesn't need to be of a popcorn bag approach, but maybe we need a gym bag approach, meaning that we're ready to show up and participate and be a part of transformation. And listening, I am thankful that that's happening here at the Becoming Church. Because if you ain't noticed, there's a cafeteria, <laughs> right? If you had noticed, that was a gym, not a lobby that you walked into. If you had noticed, like, yes, those are classrooms that your kids are in. So, listen, that is happening here, and I'm thankful for that. But ultimately, this is the question that we have to answer. Does church matter to me? And if it does, why? And ultimately, that's going to lead us, the why is going to lead us to discovering why does church matter. Now, with that being said, I'm a church kid. Now, there's not going to be no songs coming out called Church Boy or anything like that. Some of you got that. But I'm a church kid. Like, I grew up in church since the age of five. When my parents said yes to Jesus, I've been at church. And when I say church, I'm talking about church, church. Are you tracking with me? I'm talking about the kind of church that happened on Sunday. Some of you got that. The church that happened on Sunday, not like the 80 minutes that we have in here. I'm talking about it was Sunday. Are you tracking with me? I'm talking about 9 a.m. Sunday school, followed by 11 a.m. morning worship, getting out at 2.30 then headed over to either Golden Corral, Quincy's, Western Sizzling, or Luby's, or you name some other local buffet, convincing my mom to put the cookies in her purse because I knew we had a long day ahead of us. But I'm not finished. Then there was the 4 o'clock. And it wasn't the same service. It was a different service. But I'm still not finished. Then there was the 6 p.m. nightcap. So when I say Sunday, (laughs) I'm talking about Sunday. But that wasn't it. Throughout the week, right, you had revival because you fellowship with the other churches, right? Shaw Baptist down the street, they got choir anniversary, church anniversary, pastor anniversary. Somebody showed up anniversary. Everybody gets an anniversary. (laughs) It's like Oprah, you know. But you had to schedule a revival because, you know, it can only be a revival if you scheduled it. <laughs> so I grew up in church, church. Now, I don't say all that to poke fun of it because I'm thankful for those moments. Because those moments instill something in me. And those moments are the reason that I'm here today. When I say here today, I'm not talking about this platform, but I'm talking about loving the Lord loving his church, and trying to raise my family up in the way of Jesus. It was at least something that, I, that caught hold of me when I was in those moments talking about, Lord, when are we going to go home? I can't wait to get my license so I ain't got to drive here. How many of you know parents are like, what you, what you mean? You live here, you're going to be here. <laughs> Listen, family, I know all of us don't view church through the same lens. Some of us don't share the same, that same sentiment as I do. 
But I do want to say this in regard of the Becoming Church. Like, I'm not just a lead pastor here. Like, I attend this church. Like, if I wasn't the pastor here at this church, like, I would attend this church. I'm a part of this church. I'm involved in the life of this church. But we're all in different spaces and places. And so I have the awareness to recognize that, to understand that everyone's experience with church is different. To the point that you can probably put us all in different lanes in here this morning. Some of us, we find ourselves as the critic. Things going to pop up on the screen right there, maybe. Yes, there it is. Some of us are the critic. We don't have anything positive to say towards the church. We don't intend to ever say anything positive about the church. Now, there's a couple reasons of this. Some of us, we may find ourselves de-churched, meaning because of a bad experience, because of church hurt, it is put us in a spot that we've now become the critic of the church. Some of us, it's not about being de-churched. Some of us are unchurched, and so we've never actually had an experience with church. We're only regurgitating something that we may have had that maybe someone has placed a label um, on the church because of an isolated or even a series of different things that may have happened across the church. But understand, it's like you go to Chick-fil-A and you have a bad experience. It's rare there, right? But you have a bad experience, you still go back to Chick-fil-A. You don't deem all of them bad. But oftentimes, we find, some of us, we find ourselves as a critic. Others of us, we find ourselves as the casual. You know, we're the ones that show up every now and then, you know, like on Easter, Mother's Day, or Christmas service. We're the casual ones. Some of us, we're the consumers. We're the ones that we have the mindset like, yo, this thing is about us. This is about me. If that coffee is not hot when I get in there, somebody's getting an email on Monday morning. And if so-and-so is in my seat, I had to tell her last time, like, hey, you need to slide one down. <laughs> or if they do that one song that they know I can't stand because I'm always blank stare at them when they do it, they get another email and I'm CCing somebody else. <laughs> and then some of us are the contributor. We're the ones that we're like, yo, we're all in. We serve, we give, we show up, we participate in the life of the church. But listen, family. I don't list those lanes to shame anybody, to make you feel any kind of way. This is simply an observation. And here's what I know. All those lanes exist within our church. We have the critics, the casuals, the consumers, and the contributors. But this is what I'm thankful for, that if you're a critic, you're here. If you're a casual, you're here. If you're a consumer, you're here. If you're a contributor, you're here. I'm excited about that. But here's also my prayer, is that if you are a critic, you'll become a contributor. If you are casual, you'll become a contributor, right? If you are a consumer, you, you will become a contributor. And if you are a contributor, you will continue to create a space where people can be at a different point in their spiritual journey than you are and feel love, feel welcome, and feel like they can belong. Because at one point or another, we found ourselves somewhere in one of those lanes. But here's the reality. Why I believe we should be contributors and why I'm thankful that we do have a church of contributors is because the Becoming Church isn't built on the talents of a few but by the sacrifices of many. It takes people willing to make sacrifices to get up on a Sunday morning early on a day off, delay brunch, because never mind, and show up and set this up. Tomorrow morning, there's going to be a, a fifth grader, a third grader, getting the pizza and the corn in the lines in this space. 
But you come in here on a Sunday morning because of the sacrifices of people, and this feels like, yo, this is my church. Oftentimes, I'm like, yo, I got to run up to the church. I'm at the school. But that doesn't happen because of the talents of a few, but it's by the sacrifices of many. And I'm so thankful for our setup team, our, our Becoming Kids team, all the different teams. Matter of fact, can we do that? Can we just, if, even if you serve on one of those teams, can you just give it up for those teams that sacrifice their time, talent, and treasure to make this happen? I'm going to blaze through some things. I'm not going to say some things that I wanted to say for the sake of time this morning. But I'll sum it up. The era of the pandemic has been basically this great reset where many of us have hit the reset button on lots of things. And in a lot of ways, family, that was good because there's some things that we just needed to reset on. But in the same sense, there were some areas that we also hit the reset button on that perhaps didn't need necessarily the reset button hit. We just needed a different, healthy approach to it. And one of those areas was church. And many of us have hit the reset button. And so where church was at one point deemed uh, essential, right? We were in this world where things were essential or non-essential. For many of us, church moved from the essential place to a non-essential place. That it became an accessory that was no longer desired. And now this is not just some observation of mine, but this is based on research that says 50% of active church attenders, church goers, prior to the pandemic, no longer attend a gathering. And the reason for that, what I often hear is many will say, because of maybe different things that happened within the pandemic, because you had this two-headed monster, if you will. You had the pandemic happening, and then you had uh, political, I should say three, you had the political situation that was going on, and then you had injustice and different things that was taking place. So you had this three-headed monster that was happening. And so many people saw the church respond in a way that really turned them off and away from church. And so it led many people to say this, I still love Jesus, but I can't deal with the church. But the reality is family, all right, understand, I'm coming to you from a place of love and reality and truth this morning. Everything is, is, there's grace and there's truth. You can never have truth without grace, and you can never have grace without truth. Because in the lane of both of those, if they're absent of each other, then you have a compromised, watered-down message. So if you have too much truth, that's going to be off. If you have too much grace, that's going to be off. You need grace and truth. So track with me this morning. But Colossians 1.18 It says this, he, talking about Jesus, is the head of the body, which is the church. Everything comes from him. He is the first one who was raised from the dead. So in all things, Jesus has first place. Meaning this, you can't separate the head from the body and expect the body to function, right? So in the same way, you can't separate Jesus from his church. Why? Because he is head of The church. So when we say, well, I love Jesus, but I can't deal with this church, you can't say that because that is separating the head from the body. So consider this. If you come to me and say, Michael, I think think you're awesome, man. I think you're a great guy. You're just the real deal. And you can come to me and say that if you want. I'm not going (laughs) to object to that. But the only problem with you, Michael, the the only issue I got with you, I can't stand Katie. (laughs) She get on my nerves. I can't stand her. So I love you, but I can't deal with Katie. 
How many guys know that just ain't going to go over well? How many guys know that conversation going to end really quickly? You can't love me and not love my wife. And in the same way, family, we can't say that we love Jesus without loving his church. Now hear me. I'm not going to dismiss the fact that the church isn't perfect. I know the church has made mistakes. I know the church has issue. Did you catch that? I know the people who say they love Jesus can also be the people who don't look like Jesus the most. I'm aware of that. I know church hurt is real. You know how I know? Because I've experienced it myself. I ain't talking about five years ago. It's recent. All right? There is no perfect church family. We are imperfect people serving a perfect God. And it's why we're all here on this spiritual journey. And sometimes when people find themselves on a journey, people do hurtful things. People respond in ways that they shouldn't. Now, I'm not making a case to dismiss actions and dismiss behavior, but rather I am making and setting a reminder that we have to choose forgiveness. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, we can't take offense. Because when we peel back every layer, we're going to see broken, hurting people who need Jesus. Yes, they're called pastors sometimes. Yes, they serve in the church. Yes, they're on that board. Yes, you thought this of them. But at the end of the day, they are broken, hurting people. And again, this is not a space, a space to dismiss it. It's just to bring us to a reality of the same playing field. Now, given all these truths, our text reminds us that the church is the only thing that Jesus is building. Because he uses imperfect people. I mean, look at scripture, right? All the people that he used, whether it was Moses, who was a murderer, or the list can go on about all the different things that David had issues with. Yeah, he slayed Goliath, but he also slept with someone's wife and then had that guy killed. The Lord, but yet God called him a man after my own heart. Because David was able to go back to a place like, Lord, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Meaning this, God uses imperfect people and he gives us the space to come back. So I know with church, we've all experienced those people. But we can't dismiss the thing that Jesus is building because of some behavior of an imperfect human being. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Jesus is building his church. He's not building nonprofits. He's not building businesses. He's not building careers. He's not building. He's building his church. If you look at the house in the branding of the Becoming Church, it is there to communicate this, what home is and what church is intended to be. It's why we say, you may see it in the pre-service scroll, it says, this is home. Home is meant to communicate, is meant to be a place of comfort, a place of protection, a place of growth, a place of joy, a place of learning, a place of healing, and a place where a table does exist that when there is a disagreement, when there is a misunderstanding, we can pull a, a chair up to that table and we can work through things that we need to work through. That's what home is. Now, know this. God is more concerned with who you are becoming than where you are going. 
and we can't become without each other. The reality is, family, we need each other to become. And so when people say, I love Jesus, but I can't deal with his church, it is a slippery slope. Because in my experience, most of those people who say, hey, I'm going to slide out of the church, but I still love Jesus, ultimately end up leaving Jesus. Because you can't separate Jesus. You can't separate Jesus and the church. Now, the statement that I just said that God is more concerned with who you are becoming than where you're going is meant to communicate this. Attending church isn't equal to salvation, but it does lead to sanctification. So I want you to hear like, okay, he's just trying to get the numbers up. Listen, Jesus is building his church. I can't do it. So on a Sunday morning, I feel zero pressure of how many people come into this place because he is building his church. So I ain't got to trick you. I don't have to manipulate you. I ain't got to try to use some marketing tactics or tricks or best practices because it's not my responsibility. The only thing that I am responsible for is to steward what he is building. But it is his concern what the Becoming Church does in terms of a local body of believers, just like it is for the church up the street. So this is not a message to say he just needs to get people back in the building. This is God's thing. This is what he's building. He's going to do that. You know why? Because the church has been around far longer than me and you, and it's going to exist around uh, far longer than you and I. We will pass on, and the church still going to be here, baby, because this is the thing that Jesus is building. So the connection, the interaction, it can be genuine and true and real because I don't have the pressure of something I've got to build. But it's simply what Jesus is doing. The only thing, the weightiness that I feel is to steward well with what he has entrusted me to be a part of what he's building. But in terms of like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to make sure, I got to make sure. No, because he's building his church. So I'm not saying that attending church is equal to salvation. No, I'm saying it's part of becoming Sanctify, that's an old school word, or leads to sanctification. And sanctification is what? It's the process of becoming holy, as the Lord says, be holy as I am holy. That is done through sanctification. Becoming is a process. And connecting to a body of believers moves the sanctification journey forward, meaning this. You can't become on your own. You can't be isolated. You can't disconnect from the body. So, In this house, the Becoming Church, we believe in the church. And so I want to share three reasons really quickly on why the church matters. Here's the first reason. Church positions us to bless God. So I mentioned earlier in the ministry moment that in 1 Peter um, 2, verses 4 or 5, we're called these living stones. So in other words, you and I, were living stones that Jesus is using to build his church, this spiritual house, this spiritual building he's using us. But we're also called, it says, that we are part of a holy priesthood. So that means you and I are priests. Now, to understand what that means, you got to look at what the priest was. The priest was the one who was permitted to enter the holies of holies. The holies of holies was an inner room inside the temple that only the high priest could enter. In the holies of holies, it housed the 
very presence of God. The high priest was God's chosen mediator between him and his people. And he could only pass through the veil and enter this sacred uh, dwelling once a year. And it happened on a day day called the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was the holiest day. And it was the day that the high priest would enter the holies of holies to make sacrifices on behalf of the people to God. And so the priest would take the cares of the people to God and then represent God to the people. So here's what I'm saying. When you say yes to Jesus... You said yes to becoming a priest, and our job as a priest is to bless God. Romans 12 and 1 talks about it being our reasonable response to God's mercy. It's to offer ourselves a holy and pleasing sacrifice that is a true and proper form of worship, meaning this, we are instruments of worship. We are instruments of worship, and instruments, they fall into three categories. They're either percussion, strings, or wind. And you and I, we're all three of those. You're like, what are you talking about? So when you, when you clap your hands, you got the percussions happening. Strings, that's your vocal cord. Now the wind is when the wind passes over them. <clears throat> Somebody give me some keys, let me. That's a joke, I ain't gonna sing. <laughs> but we are instruments of worship. And it's our reasonable response to worship the Lord, to offer a sacrifice to him. So I do know this. Some of us, though, we can be passionate about sports but unresponsive towards God. Now, that's not a hit about sports because uh, football season is about to kick off. And I'm going to be in Tuscaloosa shouting loud just like the person next to me and yelling roll tide. So you all understand where I've made my alignment with. So you should be loud at a football game. That's what you're supposed to do. But family, we can't allow ourselves to be silenced to the things of God because the truth is we don't get to set the boundaries of what acceptable worship is. God does. And the highest form of worship will always be submission, meaning I have to get outside of my preference. I got to get outside of my personality. That blessing God overrides a personality. Because here's what I understand. You will praise God based on the revelation of who God is in your life. And so if he has only been an okay God family, you're going to only give him just an okay praise. And this is not mocking your way of submitting and surrender. So please understand that. It's not about this outward expression more than it is about an inward expression. So I'm not saying the person who Try to hang from that thing. It's the person that's just giving it up. If you do that, we're going to help. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, a, it's more about the inward position of your heart, realizing like, yo, I know him to be a healer. I know him to be a deliverer. I know him to make a way out of no way. I know him to be a provider. And so because of what I know about him and the revelation I have of who he is, listen, I can't stay silent. But I've got to shout. I've got to praise. I've got to give him glory because of who he is. And sometimes, listen, that's going to cost something. That's why Hebrew says offer a sacrifice of praise. It is a sacrifice to give up that moment. It is a sacrifice 
sacrifice, the Lord said, even right now, I don't feel like lifting my hands. Even right now, I don't feel like submitting and surrendering to what you're calling me to in the moment. But I realize who you are. I realize what you have done. I'm praising you because of what you have done. But I'm worshiping because of who you are. Because you are holy. Because you are righteous. Because you are sovereign. So listen, I'm giving up this sacrifice of praise. And I am living in a place of submission and surrender to you because you are worthy of it. Our job is to bless God. Church also positions us to bless others. So listen, as the keys would come, it says this in Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meetings together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the writer of Hebrews was writing to Jewish Christians who were facing intense persecution. And because of that, many of them were considering giving up meeting together or in actuality, many of them had stopped coming together. But the writer was encouraging them, no, I understand the persecution you're under, but you've got to get together. There is value that comes out of the gathering. You know, the phrase go to church is an inaccurate phrase. Why? Because we don't go to church, family. We gather as the church. You and I, we are the church. Earlier, I mentioned how the presence of God would be there in the holies of holies. But listen, God is not contained to the space. But Paul reminds us that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why you're the, the living stones that Jesus is building. Because you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. You carry it. So we don't go to church, but we gather as the church. And because the church is about gathering family, it is really hard to be connected if all our church only happens online. Online is a supplement to the church gathering. It's not the gathering itself. And I understand over the past two years and the world and the way that it has been, it has required that. But in the safest way we can and in all the precautions that we have to take family, we must give our, ourselves a chance to connect to a body of believers. Because what I saw in that time wasn't just the pandemic and numbers rising, but also hopelessness was rising. Depression was rising. Anxiety was rising. Suicide was rising. Why? Because we were made to be together. We were made to gather. We were made to be connected to each other. We need each other. We need people. Thank God for the supplement and the technology of YouTube and others and such. But life transformation happens in the context of community. And when we gather, we get an opportunity to bless others. On your way into this place in the morning, you could be praying, Lord, who can I just say hello to? How do I know what that hello may do for them? God, who can I maybe pull aside and just encourage them? Man, God sees you. He knows what you're going through. And don't give up. Be praying. Be mindful. How can I show up to a place to bless others and dismiss preference. Let's gather looking for ways to serve others because gathering is an opportunity to give. And here's the very last reason why church matters. Church prepares us to bless God. In Matthew 28, 
Jesus gives this commission to his disciples and in essence, you and I, because we're here because of what they did. He says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then he says this in verse 20, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The mission of this church is to help people live closer to God. And the way we help people live closer to God is to see them, facilitate moments and opportunities for them to become a follower of him. So look at it, at, at it in this way, to become an apprentice. So say maybe you're an electrician, you will follow your apprentice under a master electrician. Why? Because you want to be with him, you want to become like him, you want to do what he's doing. And in the same way, as a follower of Jesus, our goal is to be with him, become like him, and do what Jesus did. And we facilitate moments here at this church for people to do that. But listen, family, what happens here isn't intended to stay here, but it's to be lived out in our everyday life. That's why we believe in belong groups. And right now, you can sign up to host a belong group. Don't live life alone, but live it together. I know you're busy, but everybody is busy. We got to find a better excuse than that one. We're all busy. Let's get together and compare how busy we are. At least we're together. I almost had to laugh at that one myself. And I know some of you are probably considering doing it, but you don't think you can. I promise you, you can. It's a lot easier than you think. And listen, it's my job to see that you can. Ephesians 4 verse 12 says this, that it talks about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. In verse 12 it says what? To equip his people for works of service. To equip you all for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So listen, we're going to equip you on August 21st and August 28th. You'll be able to hang back after service and attend a belong group training. Why? Because we're all ministers of reconciliation. We all have the responsibility of telling others how God sent Jesus to bring us safely back to him. And because he commanded it. And because he commissioned us to go into the world. Not just the pastors. Not just the teachers. Not just, no, all of us. And here's the thing, family, that I want you to get today. Jesus is not returning for institutions, organizations, or corporations. He's returning for his church. And his church is you and me. So to exclude ourselves from the church is excluding ourselves from life of Jesus. Don't let what they did to you stop you from being connected to Jesus. They may never apologize. I'll apologize on their behalf. I'm sorry what they did to you. I'm sorry what they said to you. I'm sorry for how they treated you. But understand, you have love. You are loved. You are valued. And don't disconnect yourself from the very thing that Jesus is building. Because he wants to build you. He wants to see you become who you've been called to become a family. We do that connected to the body. Every part of the body matters, no matter what role we play. I, I need the fingers, I need the arm, I need the toe, I, I need it. Meaning, we need you, we need each other to do this thing, this life that we've been called to live. Would you pray with me, Father?